You're with Insight from RNZ. Kia ora, I'm Philippa Tolley. This programme explores how well the family court is working. Changes to the family court back in 2014 were supposed to help parents decide their children's futures, free of courtroom battles. But two years on, parents complain of shelling out thousands of dollars for lawyers, lengthy delays to get into court, and being shut out of their children's lives. So, is the system still broken, and what's needed to improve it? And just a note, some of the voices in this programme have been disguised. I just don't think it's set up properly for the best interest of the child. Oh man, it's the most horrible thing in my life. Then that this can happen without proper hearings, without looking at both sides, without looking at the real evidence. That desperation comes from fathers embroiled in the family court. The new system scrapped the six free counselling sessions previously available in favour of a single session of mediation called Family Dispute Resolution Service or FDR, which can cost each parent $450. It also removed lawyers from the process in all but urgent cases. An Otago University law professor, Mark Hennehan, who is researching the impact of the changes, talks about exasperation from all sides. The anecdotal evidence I get, and it's pretty much it's unanimous really, from judges <laughs> and, and from lawyers who are all highly professional, all want to do the best thing, uh, that the system is, is being clogged up, um, that there are frustrations, that people aren't getting um, the best of, of, of legal advice, um, people are being put off by FDR, and there's whole groups of people that seem to be um, just disappearing off the map. I'm Catherine Hutton, and this programme examines the impact the changes have had on the family court and those who use it. Silence will stand for his honour the judge. This court is now open. The changes, which were brought in by the former Justice Minister Judith Collins, were designed to solve two key problems. Far too many people going to court unnecessarily and cases taking too long to resolve. They encouraged parties to solve problems between themselves, leaving courts to deal with more serious cases. These are dealt with on what's called a without notice or urgent application and usually involve allegations of violence or abuse. This man, who we'll call Steve, has a son who was served with a temporary protection order in January, less than a month after splitting up with his partner. Eight months later, his son, who is disputing the order, still hasn't had his day in court. We didn't get to court at all. That's part of the major problem of the system. Um, we didn't actually get a lawyer appointed for the children for nearly three months after that without notice protection order. We didn't get into court for three months. The court hearing was only a directions hearing, and there still hasn't been a hearing which um, actually looks at the issues around the without notice protection order. This man, who we'll call James, split up with his partner last October and at the time had shared care of their four-year-old son. But in February, when his ex-partner met someone else, she filed a without notice application with the family court. He's gone from having his son every second week to supervised contact once a week. Yeah, everything was OK and then all of a sudden the courts got involved. Well, she bought the courts and then, yeah, it just was chaos from then. It took me 12, 13 weeks to get access to my son and in that time it was his fourth birthday and I never heard from my son in that whole time and that, that's what has been the you know the big thing about it is that just and then from then on I've just been only seeing my son for two hours once a week supervised and it's just an absolute joke and like we've had a social worker report done in this time been to numerous um, 
direction conferences. In both cases, the men have been told their cases are unlikely to be heard until next year. One of the reasons for these lengthy court delays is the increase in the number of urgent applications, which has almost doubled from 600 to 1,100 in the three years to June. Michelle Duggan, who chairs the Law Society's Family Law Section, says there's always been difficulty getting hearing time, but the surge in urgent applications has exacerbated the problem rather than caused it. Lack of hearing time. It existed previously. You know, that's something that you'll hear a lot of complaint, and a lot of it really justifiable complaint, from parties that it just takes so very, very long. And she worries about the ramifications of having to wait a year or more for a hearing. What happens if you're one and you don't see your mum or your dad for 12 months? Any attachment you might have had, you're going to have to start from scratch. Just, it, it seems really, really sad. Labour's Justice Spokesperson Jacinda Ardern says delays are one of the most common complaints she receives in relation to the family court. You know, at the moment, in order to um, expedite your claim, uh, often there has to, you know, one way um, is to demonstrate that there are safety issues involved. But actually, some of these decisions might relate to, for instance, um, where a child is, is going to go to school because it might mean that one parent is having to travel further. A decision like that has to be made relatively quickly. School years and terms dictate that, and yet in that particular case, uh, enormous delays. Uh, another case I've seen, uh, a newborn was involved, and uh, after six months, uh, the parents still had not been able to access the family court to resolve access issues and parenting orders. So that means that one of those parents had very limited access to that newborn child for that entire period. The principal family court judge, Lawrence Ryan, acknowledges the court is not getting through work in a timely fashion. He says the courts are failing to meet any of the timeframes, including those for domestic violence, with courts in Auckland, Wellington and Christchurch faring the worst. The rules do provide... Uh, that certain steps in the proceedings are taken within so many weeks. We are unable to comply with that because of the volume of work and the backlogs. Is there a problem with getting protection orders heard? No, uh, they, they have their own track. Uh, often they combine with Care of Children Act cases, but sometimes they uh, are separate from them and just go down their own track. There is a requirement that they dealt with within 42 days. That is not complied with either, but we perform much better around those than we do elsewhere. He says people are filing urgent claims so that they can get their case before a judge quicker and have a lawyer with them. And that reading the situation is supported by Professor Hennehan, who says parties are asking for lawyers rather than lawyers wanting to be involved. Most of the studies and research that we've seen, and people feel more confident about their, if they've got some good legal advice and they know where they stand in the whole picture of things. That doesn't mean they want to go in and fight it out in court and spend weeks arguing in court. It means they know where they stand, they know what the perimeters are, they know what the law says, they know what the process is. They're fully informed, so they make a fully informed decision. And that's the important thing, because this is a legal process. Process. We've decided that family justice is something that requires the law to, to oversee. We, we haven't just thrown the law out of it. The law's still there. And if parties don't have access to understanding that, they feel on the back foot. Anne's jury says that's not surprising. The chief executive of Women's Refuge says the increase in the number of urgent applications reflects how intimidating the court process can be. The forms are 
big and and complicated and many women would look at those and go oh my god I can't do this they want a lawyer now most legal aid isn't available for on notice applications so if they want a lawyer really um, they need to try the without notice course Mark Hackett who represents the Brotherhood of Fathers spent 18 months fighting for custody in the court he says it cost him $40,000, but that he got off lightly compared to some. There's people out there that are quite vindictive who will spend a lot of time stretching something out, costing a lot of money. For me personally, it's wiped me out financially. I had a pretty good lawyer who was not too badly priced, but, you know, I've been talking to guys that have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in their, their custody battle. For my example, I'm a guy that works full-time, Pays all my bills, pays all my debts, um, pays the taxes. Um, my ex had legal aid and used it as much as possible to make sure that every dime I had was gone. There are times when separating parents need a little extra help to reach agreement. That's where our Family Dispute Resolution Service can help. For those who can't file an urgent application, they must try to resolve their differences at a single session of mediation through what is known as the Family Dispute Resolution Service. Ministry of Justice figures show in the two years to March, almost 3,000 people were referred to mediation. Kerry Morris, the Scheme Director at Fairway, the country's largest mediation provider, says the system is working for many people. People are coming to agreement. We're seeing around 83% were our last stats on people reaching at least agreement on some matters at mediation, which is great. But there are problems, notably the cost. Those who meet the criteria get a subsidy, but those who don't have to pay about $450 each. About 60% of cases are fully funded and a further 20% are partially funded. Lawyer Michelle Duggan, who also works as a mediator, says a lot of people don't have that sort of money. I'm ringing them up, I'm selling the idea of FDR, and look, I'm, mediation is great. You know, getting parents to talk about their kids, great. Uh, ringing someone up who's really struggling financially and saying, look, I'd like to organise a meeting so you can talk about your kids and that's going to cost you $450 for lots and lots of people. That's a, look, as much as I might want to do it, I can't. And then you have the people that say, well, I just don't want to. Anne's jury agrees cost is a barrier for many people. But for many of the women that the refuge helps, mediation isn't appropriate. One of the things that was part of these changes was that domestic violence cases would not be subject to some of the same rules, i.e. if there was fa identified family violence, the family disputes resolution process didn't apply. What we're seeing is that women aren't necessarily identifying what they're experiencing as abuse and are being put through the family disputes resolution process, um, at which point somebody may or may not notice that there's actually something a little unhealthy going on here. So there's not enough knowledge and understanding within the court staff around the dynamics of violence and abuse. Ruth Bush is a retired legal academic who runs a free clinic in Auckland helping people with their family law disputes. She says because of the lack of adequate screening, vulnerable people are finding themselves at mediation, making agreements which are binding.
If the old rubric was you say jump and I say how high, how high is still my response in mediation? And we hear lots of times where people are really intimidated in mediation. I would like one of the competencies of our family dispute resolution mediators to be knowledge about the dynamics of domestic violence. They should be very confident because if not, what we find are unsafe orders being made. Judge Ryan says mediation is working for some, but he acknowledges not for all. The concern is there is a large volume of people who don't get to FDR and don't go to court, and we don't know what's happened to them. You cannot assume that that thousands and thousands of people who would have, before the reforms, gone to the family court, who've disappeared off the radar, you can't assume that they've settled their dispute. We don't know what's happened to them, and it's very hard to identify um, where they've gone and what, what's happening to those families. Mediator Kerry Morris is more optimistic. Our resolution coordinators spend a lot of time talking to parents initially, and once we go back to the other parent, and, and then they actually have a conversation, say, actually, we've talked about this and we can sort it out ourselves. Or they've gone along to their preparation for mediation counselling and they've gained some tools and they've found a way to work it out themselves and they've self-resolved, which is, in fact, the first step that the Ministry is encouraging is self-resolution. So I don't necessarily think that is all bad. We can't presume that people are just giving up. But it's clear that since the changes were introduced, fewer people are turning to the family court for help. Ministry of Justice figures show in the two years before the law change, there were 24,000 cases filed. But in the two years since the change, the number of cases filed with the family court has almost halved to 13,000. The Justice Minister, Amy Adams, says that's partly because of a flood of applications before the law change, from lawyers wanting their cases heard under the old rules. There is no doubt that the processing of that tremendous surge uh, in cases just before uh, March 2014 has had a significant impact and is still being worked through. Uh, but the Ministry tells me that from certainly from July this year they're seeing uh, a steady trend down in the timeframes to complete uh, the cases. Whether or not the trend is now turning in the right direction, Judge Ryan says day-to-day the courts are now dealing with record number of cases under the old system as well. We now have the highest volume of aged defended cases, that's Defended Care of Children Act cases over two years, the highest level we've had since 2011, so they're climbing steadily. So what impact does that have on families? Well, it slows the whole process down, and, and it's regrettable. Um, but people are having to wait longer to get their cases resolved. But they are taking steps to address this. I have instituted a what, what I call as a national case flow management judge to go around checking on courts throughout New Zealand and identifying where they need extra resources. And I've, I've started what I call a floating judge resource. So every family court judge offers to do a week a year wherever I ask them to go. And so that's the floating judge, and they'll go anywhere in New Zealand to help out. So that's what we're doing as judges. Mark Hennehan says unlike a court summons, people aren't required to show up for mediation, and the reasons for the no-shows is a major focus of his research. One of the biggest concerns about these changes of people aren't coming to FDR, aren't turning up, leaving it to their own devices, 
they may sort these things out in ways that are not particularly helpful to their children, and this causes bigger costs down, down the track. And this is one of the issues we're most concerned with in our whole um, study. There's whole lots of people that are just not going anywhere near the system now. What, a good interpretation is, oh, they're all resolving it themselves. Well, that would be lovely if that was happening. Um, a, a more worrying con uh, concern is maybe these people are, are, are not going to the system and they're struggling and fighting and arguing and things are getting worse for their children, which will have consequences down the track. So we have to try and look very closely in our study to see what scenarios are being played out and what consequences they're having for families and children. Amy Adams is positive about the effect of the changes brought in two years ago. She says fewer people are turning up to mediation than were forecast, but there's been a better-than-expected success rate and, after talking to mediators, changes are on the way. Some of the feedback we've had from providers, or at least as, as officials have been advising me, is at the moment there are too many constraints around the number and length of sessions and we want to give more flexibility so that if the parties are a good way into the process and time's up, we want the time to be able to continue to run while they're making good progress rather than have artificial constraints. So we're looking at some flexibility and changes in there. The Minister says the Ministry is now reviewing the changes, but there is no completion date. But along with delays and costs, another factor that looms large is the failure to include the views of children. Under the law, children's views should be taken into account. But those who are part of the system say children's involvement has actually reduced since the changes. As a father caught up in the system, James agrees. I just don't think it's set up properly for the best interest of the child. Especially when you've got some, you know, when you've got two parents like myself that has gone from having their kid in a shared care regime to only getting to see their son once a week for two hours a week. I think it's bullshit. As does this woman, who we'll call Sue. She spent nearly 20 months going through mediation in the family court. No one has asked her eight-year-old son what he wants. My son still hasn't talked to anyone about throughout this whole process. So it's like, whether the child's always come in, that's probably my other. So, but you haven't got a lawyer for the child? No, no, no. And that would only happen if we were going to a defended hearing, is my understanding, that then he'd get, there'd be a lawyer. I mean, we should represent, obviously my ex-husband and I, as his parents, should be representing his views, but we've also got our own ideas and perspective, otherwise we wouldn't be in this mess that we're in. A former academic, Ruth Bush, believes children's voices have been muted, and that amounts to a breach of New Zealand's international obligations. Uh, children aren't involved in the mediation that goes on. You know, we have an obligation under the UN Convention of the Rights of the Child to... Uh, give children voices in decisions that are affecting them and custody, access, all kinds of Care of Children Act applications directly affect children. And we also have a much less appointment of a lawyer for the child and who in the past, prior to the amendments, really were the, uh, you know, parties who brought the children's voices before the court. So I think we've lost a lot with these reforms. But Amy Adams says she doesn't consider the changes a breach of international obligations and says they were introduced to boost the rights of children. The mediators are actually very uh, well trained and focused on the rights of the children. And in fact, one of the reasons we moved to the family dispute resolution system was that a review of family court processing of care of children cases back in 2011 showed us that the rights of the children uh, were not necessarily front and centre and that was one of the uh, one of the issues that we, we absolutely wanted to address. Uh, it, it made it clear that the court lacked sufficient focus on meeting the needs of children and achieving sustainable dur durable outcomes. So the whole point of the FDR is that not, none of the parties are represented. They're in there representing themselves. At the end of the day, they are parents trying to agree 
agree between themselves how the children will be cared for. What's also unclear is whether the agreements reached at mediation are enduring, as the Ministry doesn't collect those figures. Last year, Sue reached agreement at mediation, only to have it fall over. Now she's back before the family court, having to negotiate the court process by herself because her case isn't deemed urgent. Which is tricky in itself because trying to get answers out of, um, or trying to get information, even though even I wasn't sure about the registrar's list, I presumed that I didn't have to be there, but I wanted to, I didn't want to be turning up and, well, not turning up, and actually I had to be there. So trying to find someone who could even answer that basic question, yeah, voice message after voice message to the court registrars, and it's. Um, Okay, so you had two court appearances or not? Yep, yep, yep. And how did those go, representing yourself? Quite daunting. I need to make sure I wasn't agreeing to something that I didn't know I was agreeing to and it was going to be getting made into a proper parenting order. So that worried me quite a bit, to be honest. And then it was, yeah, and just sort of sitting there by myself with a judge who's got a lot of power. Would you rather have a lawyer? I think it would make the whole process, actually, because then you've got someone to also talk to about the, about the process. It's, it's, it's quite isolating as well, not having anyone who actually knows the system to be able to talk to them about what's going, what's happening. There's quite a lot of information on the website, and I've looked yeah. up nice little videos, chatty videos about how to file stuff. Yeah. How have you found those? No, no. I mean, good in theory, in practice, it doesn't, yeah, yeah. Answer your question. No, 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 no. Right. And I think because this is a, like, this isn't, you're not just going to McDonald's to order a Happy Meal, you know, you're not going to look on the website for that. you actually like, this is something that involves your children. I actually want to be talking to someone who knows something about something and, and can answer my questions. We all want to be making the right decisions. Judge Ryan says self-represented litigants are only adding to the court's delays. Your average litigant coming to the family court has no idea of how the family court works. They have no idea of what the law says. And they're... Um, they're in a stressful situation anyway, quite apart from not knowing how the law works. So it's not surprising that judges find it much more difficult to deal with unrepresented litigants than people who are represented. What are judges having to do to compensate for that? Well, it slows cases down. Uh, judges have to explain more carefully to unrepresented litigants how the process works, what the judge's expectations are and what outcomes are likely to be achieved. So it does slow the process down. Cases take longer to deal with. But Amy Adams says it's unlikely lawyers will be included back into the process. It's my clear view that if families can reach their solutions without lawyers, that is a good thing. I know the lawyers are absolutely of the view that they should be in the room, but as I've said, it's not my job to deliver what lawyers want. It's, it's my job to ensure that this court system uh, and, and the justice system is working as well as it can for the families who need help. Uh, I'll wait and see from the review whether that's doing that, but it's not my view that the more lawyers you add to a situation, uh, the better and easier and cheaper the resolution is. Which brings us to the question of savings. While only about 10% of those whose relationships break up need to use the family court, the cost of running the court has risen by about 70% in the five to six years before the changes were introduced. At the time, it was estimated the adjustments would save about $70 million over four years. The Ministry says it's still evaluating the cost savings and will have this information later this year. So while the level of possible savings is still not known, the Minister is certain the increase in urgent applications is not being caused by the changes, but by lawyers. In June, Ms Adams told a select committee... Simply making an application without notice doesn't mean it is heard without notice. So the lawyers and the client determine whether they're going to try that track on, and actually judges are pushing back on a considerable proportion of them, and are sending them back and saying, no, this doesn't need to be without notice. 
go back in through the front door. Figures from the Ministry of Justice show in the past two years, fewer than 400 cases out of the 13,000 filed with the court have been sent back through what the minister calls the front door. But Professor Hennehan says there's a reluctance to refer cases back to the resolution process. What happens is that even if it doesn't reach the threshold, and the threshold for an urgent case is undue hardship and risk, and if it doesn't meet that threshold, judges will still keep it on the urgent track but won't hear it as an urgent case and set it down for directions, which means then the, the parties come in and, and normally the judge will appoint a, a lawyer to, to represent the children to check out what's going on, if there's any issues that need to be resolved, and the lawyers will still remain involved. Some are sent back to the uh, initial process, but normally they will always try to keep a lawyer involved. So judges, once lawyers are involved, are, are quite keen to keep them involved because it keeps the process orderly and organised. But for those facing the delays of waiting for court time, the impact is huge. Steve explains what it means for his son. For him, it's actually not knowing what the ultimate outcome is going to be. There's a constant thing hanging over him is, you know, am I going to be able to see my children? Am I not? Is, is some other allegation going to be made which stops me seeing my children? Um, it's a sense of powerlessness, a sense of whatever he says. It's not being listened to. There's not a forum where he is able to go. Um, it's incredibly expensive. Um, he doesn't get legal aid, he's not a high earner, but he doesn't get legal aid. Um, so he has to pay through, initially $400 an hour for a lawyer, now we've found a lawyer at $300 an hour. Um, that, that's incredibly expensive, um, And but I mean, if you want to have access to your children, you are going to rack up thousands and thousands of dollars worth of probable debt. Amy Adams says she's not aware of the cases. You have those reports. I don't have them to hand. If, if those cases were raised with me, I would certainly ask the ministry to give me information as to why that was happening. Uh, what I do know is that when, when people do raise issues with me about timeframes for cases uh, to be set down for hearing, uh, there is often uh, some very uh, clear information as to why that is. Uh, but without knowing the specific case you're talking about, I can't possibly respond. But it's unfair, I think, to categorise that as being a standard situation. It's certainly not to the best of my knowledge. Whether it happens, look, it may well. But what I don't know are the specific reasons in a particular case why that has occurred. Professor Hennehan says the longer decisions take to be made about children, the more they suffer. Most of the research shows that um, for children, going through a, a breakup of their parents is a very traumatic and a major event in their lives. And all the research shows that, that children do suffer. So if we can make this process one where the parents can ideally get to a stage where we've got arrangements that the parents will accept, that they'll work through, that they'll communicate well with each other and the children feel supported and loved by both their parents. Children will come out the other side all right, but if it's acrimonious and fight and argument and continuous, then some children who are very resilient will probably still survive that, but, but many children who are not so resilient, uh, it will cause impact for you know, large parts of their life, which is we don't we want to avoid. Steve feels the system is starved of much-needed funding and has emailed the Minister about his worries. Is that when things are complicated, it takes longer. Um, and I would very much say, well, if you're aware that there's a number of complicated cases or you're aware of, of difficulties which cause things to take longer, you need to put more resources in to deal with it, not just watch people's lives get significantly damaged because you're not resourcing the system. The Minister isn't ruling out further changes once the review is complete. In the meantime, some couples are faced with lengthy delays, often emotional torment, and children can suffer as those involved try to work out their differences.
I'm Catherine Hutton, and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to get in touch or share your thoughts on this programme, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at insight at radionz.co.nz or our Twitter handle is at insightrnz. Catherine Hutton wrote and presented that programme. It was produced by me, Philippa Tolley, with technical production by Phil Bench. And why not keep in the Insight loop and subscribe on iTunes.